0: so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire.
1: Peace be with you. Friends, I recently came across a quote from an Anglican bishop. He said this, Whenever Paul preached, there were riots. When I preach, they serve me tea. It's a sad commentary, I think, on the declension, not only in our preaching, but in our entire sense of just how explosive the message of Jesus is meant to be. When you read through the Acts of the Apostles, especially the second half of the text, chapters 13 through 28, you're just overwhelmed by the stories of Paul's raucous journeys through Palestine, Asia Minor, Greece, and Italy. He's met practically everywhere he goes by violent opposition. When he reaches Philippi, for example, he is promptly thrown in jail. When he preaches in Lystra, he's stoned by the crowd and left for dead. When he preaches in Athens, the people are a bit gentler. They just scoff at him. In Thessalonica, the crowds complain, These people are turning the world upside down. When he preached in Ephesus against idolatry, indeed, a riot broke out. Now, I mention all this because our first reading is taken from the 13th chapter of Acts, and it puts us right in the middle of all this tension. Paul's in Antioch, He's gone into the synagogue, as was his wont, to proclaim Jesus as the Messiah. But then he added that Jesus was the Messiah not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles as well. This infuriated so many of the pious Jews of the place that they had Paul, quote, expelled from their territory. Okay. Why in the world was Paul's preaching so explosive? What bothered people so much about him? Why was he harassed, exiled, expelled, imprisoned, stoned, beaten up, and finally put to death? And to turn the question around, why don't these things happen to us when we preach today? Why, when we preach, do they serve us tea? Well, here's a way I think to get at answering these questions Paul's basic message was that there was a new king he says over and over again Jesus kurios Jesus is the lord now as i've said before many times to you those were fighting words in his time because a watchword of the time was kaiser kurios caesar's the lord that's the way you showed your loyalty if you greeted someone, you'd say, Kaiser Curios. they'd say it back to you. We're both subjects of Caesar. So Paul says, not Kaiser Curios, but Jesus Curios. Jesus is the new king. And see, he was a king like no other. They knew all about kings. Kings were powerful people in the worldly sense. They had armies, they had lots of money, lots of political influence. Just look at the political figures in ancient Rome around Paul's time. Think of the Antonies and Octavians and Caesars and Ciceros. These were all very canny street politicians. People that knew how to maneuver and manipulate. People that knew how to raise armies to fight ruthless battles. That's what kings were like. They were power figures. What's Paul's message? No, no, the real king, the real curios, is not one of those types. The real king, the real curios is someone whom Caesar put to death. A crucified king. Now, see, that was an utter contradiction in ancient times. To speak of a crucified king was a contradiction in terms. Kings were powerful, kings were those who crucified others. When Paul says that the Crucify Jesus is a stumbling block. It's a scandal. Well, that's exactly right. No one understood that message. What's he saying? Real power, God's power, has nothing to do with these worldly games, has nothing to do with armies and power politics and manipulation. Real power has to do with the power unleashed by self-emptying love. See, no one knew how to handle that message. That message didn't compute in that time. Nor, mind you, does it really compute in our time. One reason why, when we preach, they serve as tea. Because we tend not to preach that radical message. Here's something else. If Jesus really is the king, then all the kings and magistrates of the world are not the ones to whom we owe final allegiance. Let me say it again. If Jesus is the king, then all these kings and magistrates are not the ones to whom we owe final allegiance. Now, mind you, I say final allegiance. Paul has nothing against legitimately constituted worldly authority. He has nothing against kings and governors in themselves, but he has a very serious problem with making those people the center and anchor of your life. No, no. If Jesus, Jesus, is the kurios, he's the Lord, then he's the one to whom you owe final allegiance. Listen now. He can't simply be one religious figure among many. He can't just be one mildly interesting guru. He has to be, unambiguously, the center of your life. Jesus has to be the one around whom the whole of your life revolves. Now, I submit to you, in ancient times, as in ours, that is a very challenging and deeply countercultural message. All the other kings, and listen, we got lots of them, don't we? We have lots of them in our time. People that claim our ultimate allegiance, whether they are political figures, cultural figures, pop culture stars, whoever they are, to say that Jesus is the curios means all those other figures have been dethroned. Again, do you begin to see why there were riots when Paul preached? Something else. The risen Jesus is a threat to all tyrants. How come? Because tyrants... In Paul's time, as in ours, are those who use fear, especially the fear of death, to oppress their people. Read any book of political history, cultural history. You'll find this motif, won't you? The tyrant's the one who manipulates, who gets what he wants through fear. He has a big enough army, enough influence. He can frighten people into obedience. What are we most frightened by? We are most frightened by death. And so tyrants are always in service of death. Death is always their ally. Death is their friend. What does the resurrection of Jesus from the dead mean? It means tyrants have lost their hold over us. Because in Jesus risen from the dead, we see that God's power is greater than the power, yes, even of death. Paul can say to the Romans, nothing will separate us from the love of God, not even death itself. He knows that because in raising Jesus from the dead, God showed and declared his lordship over death. See, friends, when tyrants hear that message, they tremble. They get it. They get it. They know all about power politics. They can handle that. But what they can't handle is a real outbreak of the power of God. If people really are no longer afraid of death, tyrants don't have control over them. Now, if this sounds like ancient history, then look around just in the last few decades. When I was coming of age, tyrants were very much in vogue in the Soviet Union and in the satellite nations they controlled. How did those tyrants uh, do their work? They did it in the classic way, through fear, especially fear of death. When John Paul II showed up in Poland and began preaching the message of the resurrection, tyrants began to tremble because he was undermining their favorite tool, to manipulate and dominate people through the fear of death. And we saw in our own time how a tyranny is undermined precisely by the power of this Christian message. John Paul had no armies. He had no tanks or guns. He had no worldly power, but he had this greater power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul announces. Can you begin to see again why, when he preached, there were riots. Here's a little um, clue. When Paul was imprisoned in Philippi, read that section in the Acts of the Apostles. It's wonderful. It tells us he was chained in the back of the prison. He was shackled. And what was he doing? He was singing hymns. (laughs) Now see, that is the sign of a free man That's a sign of someone who's not afraid. The state is threatening him. Now, not quite with death yet. They'll get there. But they're threatening him now with imprisonment, which was bad enough. And what's Paul doing in the face of it? He is singing hymns. He's not afraid. Listen to how our reading for today closes. As Paul is being expelled from their territory quote he was filled with joy and the Holy Spirit there it is again when you can laugh at the powers of the world they tremble because they know they can't control you when you are filled with joy and the Holy Spirit when they kick you out of the town when you sing hymns when they've got you chained in prison they are afraid of you and you're not afraid of them That's why there were riots when Paul preached. How come they serve us tea when we preach? How come our preaching doesn't set the world on its ear, turn the world upside down, as the people of Thessalonica said? I think one reason is we so easily domesticate Jesus. We do indeed turn him into a bland religious teacher. A guru with a comforting message. But again, that is to miss the very heart of it. Notice please how throughout his epistles, Paul doesn't say a word about Jesus' teaching. What he says over and over again is, Anastasis, resurrection. That's the message that frightened them in the ancient world. That's the message that turned everything upside down. That's why there were riots when he preached. That's the message that gives real hope to the oppressed. That's the message that makes tyrants tremble. I wonder what would happen if we Christians today began to preach with that same focus and with that same power. And God bless you.
0: I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love.
1: Father Robert Barron is combating the crisis of faith in our culture. Father Barron's expanded website can deepen your faith, give you new insights into Scriptures, and help you become a better Christian. Go to wordonfire.org and tap into Father Barron's compelling videos, sermons, articles, and much more. Wordonfire.org. Connect with one of the Catholic Church's best messengers every day, everywhere.